thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This is my friend Doris, and I met her last year. And I met her at the dance team that I joined, and it's I think it's barely been a year that oh we've known God. each other. And it feels like a very long time. It does. Because I think I think we're secret sisters, possibly. I don't know. In our past lives, yeah. In our past lives. Um, she has a little bit of RBF, and I also have RBF. <laughs> so, like, at first we didn't talk for a while. And I don't really know how we started really getting to know each other, besides being on the dance team and just generally chatting. Yeah. I can't remember a specific time or place, but um, she just has a good vibe. And we've, I don't know, I kind of fell in love with her. So, mm -hmm. here she is, and she's blessing us. Tell us about yourself, my friend. So, yes, my name is Doris. Um, was really excited that you invited me to your podcast. I've always wanted to do a podcast, <laughs> so this is, you're making one of my dreams come true. Yay. Um, 27, right, I'm going to say my age. Mm -hmm. Tell us how 27, um, grew up in a uh, family, first gen. Uh, Latino family, Central American, half Guatemalan, half Honduran. I'm the eldest, mm -hmm. and you'll be able to tell really quickly soon. <laughs> I'm also the eldest. I know. <laughs> um, I had two brothers, and then there's a lot of additional family members that are not blood, but consider family, too. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I have a passion for dancing, um, community work, or social services and uh just growing i guess you can say right now in this mm -hmm. part of my life i thought you were older not only not just because you not that you looked older i just like your vibe just felt like older and more mature when i found out you were you 26 my name. i was like what <laughs> how are you only 26 yeah. so um you just have this maturity about you and i could just tell that there was some deep stuff about you that i wanted to get to know and then i roped you into getting your hair done and then we spent many hours together doing your hair that day yeah i think we like, talked before then though too you know what we did you know who it was it was mallory i think that got us to talk or was it the opposite i can't remember i don't remember she likes to get things out of people too so we probably bonded that way too yeah i think i really got to know you better when i did your hair because that took about six hours so she you only hostage we were giddy <laughs> we were tired my hair was so bad <laughs> it was like green and I don't need I don't know. even know, but she wanted all the things, so we bonded over that. But I wanted to have her on because, she, first of all, she is a beautiful dancer. When I saw her, I was like, I want to be like her when I grow up. She's so beautiful and confident, and you, you just have this, like, face when you dance that I just, like, love because <laughs> you're just, like, living your best life, and you're not... You don't have like nervousness. <laughs> like you don't have any. I don't know. I don't feel the nervousness or anything like that. And you're just beautiful and confident, and I just love that about you. And then you also taught a heels class, and I've never been to one. Mm -hmm. You were literally the first time I ever did that, mm. and I was like, I don't have any idea what this was. <laughs> I had no clue. I was like, Are we just gonna dance in heels? I already know how to do that. But okay. <laughs> No, it's not salsa dancing or butcha. This is different. It was very different. Um, so that pushed me. And the knee pads. And I need. That. I did not have those the first time. <laughs> My knees were bruised. <laughs> uh -huh. So, anyways, I just I wanted Doris to come on because I wanted her to share a little bit about her life, and I really want to talk to her about dancing because I'm also passionate about dancing, and I want all of my friends also to dance and feel the joy that I feel with dancing. So that's why I just want to like have more people that have that passion to come and share with other people. So tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up for you. So I'm actually not from Northern California, as you already know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm from Southern California, so born in Inglewood, raised in Lawndale, pretty much went back to school in Inglewood. And uh, my childhood was not like, it's very, it's very different because <laughs> one is there's a lot of layers to it but i grew up in poverty mm -hmm. uh, but my parents really did a really great job in terms of i guess you can say kind of hiding it uh, but i could definitely tell right away that i was very different from a lot of other kids because i was also um what's it called um a pk mm, and all the oh, yeah all the previous like christian kids or pks are like <laughs> probably right yeah. now <laughs> I was so, an MK, so I get it. <laughs> so 
PK, for those of you that don't know, is a pastor's kid. Mm -hmm. And so what that means essentially is that your life outside of everything else is church, morning, you know, middle of the day and nighttime. And People are always watching you. Yeah. The pressure is on. Yeah, so it's interesting because, like, um, I was very into God and everything when I was really young. Like, definitely felt like I was one with God and aligned with all that and then I think in my teenage years probably normal is where I was like I don't know if this is for me and then in college I kind of just really disconnected from that mm -hmm. and then I kind of been coming back to that just I think in terms of spirituality and religion trying to figure out what my relationship is with God and creator or some folks just say universe whatever that means and really trying to find a solid grounding but overall growing up i think in a christian household and then a very also latino household immigrant household being first gen and the oldest was mm -hmm. a lot a lot of pressure from the beginning yeah one because i had to be um i don't know i felt this pressure for me especially when we started moving houses um because the first market crash and then the second time um, I have this, like I said, my parents did a really great job with raising me and my middle brother and having just have a ball, like being kids and all of that. But I, I'll never forget when we moved because, um, we were really connected with the kids in our neighborhood and would play together all the time. Mm -hmm. And so when my mom told me, she said, Liz, She's like, we're going to be moving, so you have to say bye to, like, the, the kids and everything. And I was like, and I just started crying. Aww. And I was like, I was like, wait. And then I was like, I don't understand. Why, where are we moving? And I thought that in my head we were going to move to, like, another universe, like, just super far away from everybody. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a whole different planet. <laughs> oh, we were having a meltdown as a freaking five-year-old. And then uh, I started crying, and my mom started crying, too, because, you Aww. know, on her back end, it was like, oh, my God, this is going to impact her so much and everything. And on my end, I just, my whole universe fell apart because all I was thinking about, well, where are our neighbors going to know that we're going to live? This is like goodbye forever. And all I had known at that time was just what I've seen in movies, right? And friendships as a five-year-old. But mm -hmm. um, when she's like, oh, no, they're going to be able to know where we live and everything and all that. You can keep in touch with them. And I think that was one of the very pivotal moments as a kid where that was like a core trauma memory for me. <laughs> And uh, from there, it was, that's where I think a lot of the having to grow up really fast came. One, because my youngest brother was born at that time, too, when we were moving. And then um, we just kept having to move from place to place. So for me, I've never really settled anywhere. Um, and so it's interesting moving a lot because when I do start settling somewhere, I always get anxious. I'm like, yes. this is not normal. Like, what's the next step? No, that's funny. I don't think we talked about it, but I moved. By the time I was 13, I had already moved like 13 times. Oh, my so God. I moved a shit ton as a kid, so I have all of those memories and traumas attached to moving a lot. So I totally understand what you're saying because I get a little antsy. When I bought this my house, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can stay in one place for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's just stressful. So I'm always like feeling this need for like change every like year or two <laughs> yeah, probably right coming from my childhood and moving literally all the time no and that's the thing is uh with moving and stuff especially right now because you know i recently moved packing up all my shit and like that physical looking at the physical boxes and having to box things like brought up all mm -hmm. of that all of that anxiousness and, and everything and i hate moving like it's yeah it's stuff that lot. i still have to work mm -hmm. through you know but help me unpack and pack <laughs> yeah all of those things um but yeah so there was a lot of that growing up and then having to then learn english too i just realized mm. that um i spoke spanish my whole life and then i also didn't know i think my close friends know this story but not a lot of people but i didn't know my name was doris until the first day of kindergarten you did it <laughs> no what did they call you so my mom's name is also doris okay and so they, my name is Doris Elizabeth, right? Okay. So they always call me Elizabeth Liz, and again, identity crisis, right? <laughs> Kindergarten <That's> me. So <laughs> confusing. We're moving. Okay. I don't know my name. Like midlife crisis, that you know. 
as a child. Oh my goodness. And so I go in into kindergarten and um, they're like Doris and I'm looking over like my mom's not here. And they're like, no, your name is that. And so I didn't say anything because I was such a shy kid and I didn't know English. I didn't know how to read, write. I didn't even know how to hold a pencil. And um, they basically told me that was my name. I was like, okay. Went home and I was like, mom, why were they calling me this? <laughs> and she's like, that's your actual name. And no, I was like, goodness. what? But that really also at the same time, I think helped me compartmentalize a lot because at home I was Elizabeth and then everywhere else I was Doris. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like growing up in the poverty and church and all that, Elizabeth was the eldest daughter, you know, how to make sure that she set the example for everybody was the one that had to make sure that she was perfect and didn't make any mistakes mm -hmm. and then on top of that just really set a good example and Doris on the other end was like the um very smart very quiet but always involved in something overall and I think my world kind of blended in college especially when I started going to therapy where my yeah <laughs> where my therapist at the time she was like so like Doris and Elizabeth are two very different people and I was like, you know, she she was right. Like, yeah. they're two different people. And then she's like, you know, you can choose. You're allowed to choose what you want in your life, especially in your upbringing and then things that you don't agree with. But nobody ever provided that space for me to kind of, like, explore that. And I think now I've come more into realizing, like, no, I'm a combination of both. It's, it's me, you know. But mm -hmm. just that distinction, I don't know, just... Did a lot. Yeah. Overall. When did you start going by Doris? Since that time. Oh, since, since then? Okay. Yeah. So at home, that's at what home I was you were Liz. And I'm still Liz. Okay. At home, because my mom's name was Doris. But okay. then everywhere... No. Yeah. Everywhere else, I am Doris. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's funny. But I like that. <laughs> yeah. Your two worlds, your two little people, they finally, like, meshed into... Oh, my God, no. One. And then this month both of my worlds are going to collide. It's like my home family from LA is coming and then my Yamaya people are going to meet for the, during the Thanksgiving potluck. So I'm like, oh. it's like, it's like, um, oh my God, they're meeting like, I don't know. It's like bringing a boyfriend home kind of, yeah. but on both sides. So I'm like, I don't know how this is going to turn <laughs> out, but we'll see. Oh, yeah. well, that sounds fun. <laughs> um, I think we talked about you being a PK and like all the different things you did. Did you do like Sunday school, teach Sunday school? Did you do worship stuff, youth group things? What about, did you do any of that stuff? I did everything. Okay, that's what I figured. <laughs> I did everything. So you have to do everything. No, you already know my personality. Like I'm the type yeah. I like to do everything. I think also I just like learning overall and because my parents decided to go into being pastors and a little bit, I would say they were even more progressive with like making sure that women, you know, were, women were allowed to wear pants and Ooh. all of that. Ooh, what a <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, um, and then also have a woman be able to preach. Like, I know that's also something still even now that yeah. certain churches allow and don't allow. Uh -huh. Probably gonna cause some, you know, buzz around mm -hmm. that. But um, I did yeah the sunday school with a lot of the kids and that's really where my passion for youth started okay um and so there was a lot of troubled kids that did come through the church and really all they wanted was somebody to listen to them and i just i love working with kids um i always try to make the lessons super fun very artsy involve some sort of music in there mm -hmm. um and then i helped up to we have they still have it now but a food drive mm -hmm. Um, so in partnership with World Vision, I think people who are very involved in church know World oh, I Vision. Did, I did the you did World Vision a bunch of times. <laughs> of yeah, so World Vision and then like other partnerships too, right? Where like there's actual people who, you know, of faith and all that, that really are about the community, making sure that they get their basic needs met. Mm -hmm. Um, so was basically managing all of that, all the paperwork and everything. <laughs> As a kid. <laughs> and as a kid, right? Yeah, <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. Um, and then I was also a part of the church band. So mm -hmm. it first started off that I learned how to play guitar. Mm -hmm. and Me too. I, <laughs> <laughs> I told you we're twins. Are you going to sing? <laughs> sing? What should we sing? Uh, 
what's one that I don't, I don't know. You're ten years younger than me, at least. Actually, you're. You know years that there's songs that are older than both of us, and they sing them every time. <laughs> Did you sing "Our God Is an Awesome God"? Our God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so I was in, so I did guitar and then piano, I think, really is where I really liked it and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it because I taught myself to guitar, yeah. kind of just, it took me to class and they're like, okay, she wants to get into music, like, let's do it. But piano really was where it was at and um, from there, my middle brother, Byron, picked up the guitar, the drums, and he's amazing. He's an amazing oh, musician. Cool. And the youngest one was kind of just like lingering around and pretended to do drugs. <laughs> I just want to be a part of things. Yeah. I'm the youngest, help. Yeah. Um, and my dad, he sings. Like that's oh, his that's time. Right. He sings and he plays guitar. My mom's more of like the public speaker. She preaches, does teachings and very much a mother goose to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of counseling. She has a lot of insight to a whole bunch of things. That's cool. So I was really involved in church. Like you can probably think of every aspect. All I needed was pretty much to just preach. Yeah. And that's it. You just didn't do that yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you do um, like dancing and stuff at school or as a teenager or not at all? Oh my God. So it's funny that we are talking about church. So the first time I ever danced was on a worship team. I was going to say, wait, did you have dance? Not only did I do, I was the full, I was full entertainment at church. Oh you know? my God, was the I praised the Lord in all shapes did and you forms. Do flags? I did everything that you oh, can think of. Love it. I never did that. So no, really, that's where dancing came from. Was okay. uh, being on the. Oh my God, what did they call it? The praise team. Mm, oh, yeah. I, I don't remember. know what you guys called it, but. I don't remember. Most of my churches didn't have like a dance team. That was really ostentatious. That's like a lot. Yeah, no, so. again, that's more of like progressive mm-hmm. for, yeah. Um, I started, my mom was a choreographer. <laughs> See, no, she was the extra hard on me. I'm <laughs> of course. And uh, my dad, again, he was, he was later in charge of like the music and everything because he was a, a singer, but there was a church that we were going to, and I remember it was, a, oh my God, what was the area? Torrance, kind of that Torrance area in SoCal. And... Um, it was interesting because I, now I think about it, looking back, I was like, what got my mom into wanting to be, you know, dancing? I don't know. Maybe it was like something that she was exploring. But really, I, that's the first, I think, time that I was exposed to like sisterhood in dancing. Mm-hmm. And then um, just overall, that's, you know, the movement and everything. There was training that was actually involved that I went to every Saturday in downtown LA at this other church. Mm. And that's where I learned tambourine. I learned the flags. I learned the hands. Oh, you learned all the, the outfits, everything that you can think of. I'm a little bit and jealous. I was all over. No, I, it was like amazing. I think a lot of the being around other girls that were a positive influence did have a nice impact. Oh, I'm jealous. I didn't get to experience <laughs> dancing with church. I wanted that so bad. And that, that was like the one thing that I realized like, oh my God, I really love this. And I would be like telling my mom and dad, I was like, okay, you're going to make sure that you're going to take me because we only have one cart too. Aww. So my dad was the one that drove us around everywhere, but I loved it. And so, so it started early. Yeah, I started early. It was probably seven or eight. Did you do any other kind of dancing like in school? Oh, I did. Okay. Yeah. So I did that. And then there was a hip hop team, I think around that same time too. Oh, okay. And um, it was the, I forgot what song it was, but it was around that time where the Lakers were really good and there was this really pop, I can't remember. <laughs> and so I danced there and I fell in love with it and then I got into sports pretty much in middle school and then dancing came back in high school. Okay. There was a jazz contemporary team that I was on for like two years and then there was a competition won the competition, was able to perform at Paramount Studios. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and, so then, <laughs> and then everybody thought at my school that I was going to join the cheer and drill team, uh-huh. but I didn't because I was so focused on my studies and making sure that I had good grades so I could just get a full scholarship to go to to college and yeah. pretty much get out of where I was at. And did that happen for you? It did. Yeah. It did. Nice. So that's ended up pretty much at UC Davis. And that was a big move for me because my family was so pissed off that I had applied to schools outside of oh, that's funny. outside of our um, city. They really wanted me to go to UCLA. Everybody wanted me to go to UCLA. That's probably I applied why you to UC Davis, right? <laughs> like so I, I applied to UCLA, UC Davis, 
you see San Diego, I think. And you see Berkeley. Hmm. There's one more. Oh, Santa Cruz was the other one too. Santa Cruz was the first one that I got accepted into and everybody thought I was going to go to Santa Cruz. Because they're like, oh my God, you love nature. You're such a hippie. Like you would love it over there. And then UC Davis, I'd never heard of it. Like I was, I did my research on the colleges just to make sure they had the majors that I wanted in case I wanted to switch. Because I went in first as a bio major and then mm. later changed into the social sciences. Okay. And uh, I quickly discovered that Santa Cruz was not it for me. Both <laughs> my friend and I went at the time with our parents. I was like, yeah, this is not. I'm like, I love nature, but not to the point where I'm like so far away from like the city and all that. Then I went to UC Davis. And as soon as I stepped on campus, I was like, this is it. This is where I can see myself. Well, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then at that time too, I think it was towards the end of my first year that's where I got introduced to Latin dancing. Okay. And then that's really how I got into bachata first and then salsa later. Okay. Did you go to the grad back in the day? Oh, when it used to be open? Yes. Yeah. That was the to-go to place. That also, because then I place. have a car. Yeah. I had a bike and then my college ID to be able to get me anywhere. So I that's the other thing too is because I didn't have transportation, I had to get creative with like how to get to places, go to socials and all that. And um, so I'd always either bike or take the bus. And then once one of my roommates got a car, <laughs> take the car it was over. over. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much, we'd go everywhere. But even when I had performances and let's say my roommate couldn't take me at the time or I just couldn't find a ride, I would literally take the bus or shuttle to whatever social I needed to, figure out the whole system and then come back. Just so I could perform or dance. <laughs> Well, obviously you're passionate about it and you really want to do it. So mm -hmm. when you are those things, you figure it out. Yeah, you, you figure do figure it out. I was trying to remember the questions that I wrote down that I wanted to ask you. What do you think that dancing has mm, done for you in your life? Or like meant to you or both of those things? So I've always said dancing. If you really want to get to know me, look at me dance. Because... I think for the longest time I was never good at expressing myself verbally mm -hmm. or and didn't know how to communicate very passive aggressive <laughs> with my communication or just very passive and so I was never really a confrontational person and I know for me I'm an avoidant and I, I avoid conflict like a plague but um I think with time I've learned that you know if there's something that you you want you have to voice it and really dance with that with that voice for me mm -hmm. growing up and even up until now because there's a lot of things I think that I felt like I couldn't speak on or I wasn't allowed to speak on uh, especially like the conservative home that I grew up in this the expectations that a lot of people put on me and I accept those expectations so I kind of just like was whatever everybody else wanted me wanted me to be and not really what I wanted to be yeah and so dance was the only time that that was like me you could be your real self kind of yeah and so that's when people tell me that I love the way that you dance you look so happy you look so free it's because I am there's I'm not worried about anything else I'm fully present and just immersed in whatever those that minute or three minutes really is mm -hmm. yeah so that's, that's what cool. dance really is for me I didn't get started to <clears throat> dancing until I was in my 20s and I never I never danced as a kid except for like when I was like five. So for me, it's been a lot harder to like yeah. get outside of myself yeah. and really express myself. So I'm always, I'm always jealous of people that can do that fully because I'm still like super in my head about everything and I'm trying to work on that, which is why I like those heels classes that you teach. What, tell us what heels classes are for okay. people who don't know. Yeah, so heels classes, there's a lot of actually history behind it and really it's come out of, you know, the... LGBTQ community with um, there's these things called where they have oh my god I can't remember but it's something the balls so um, there's these shows where people essentially go and they um, just show out with a lot of I can't remember with voguing uh -huh. so a lot of you'll see a lot of voguing in heels and really it's grown into something a lot bigger because it's a combination of ball and then um, what is it stripping and strip dancing mm -hmm. and so people I think still are trying to kind of discover what it is but what it's turned into now really has been 
more into a lot of the sensual sexual movements and everything and um there was a lot more i would say fluid movements before but now it's a lot more sensual you'll see the lingerie and a lot of very sexy classes the boots that are all the way up mm -hmm. here or the fishnets and yeah. and everything and uh for me the person that well, the choreographer the artist that really kind of stood out to me um was brinda cole uh, she has been teaching heels for over a decade. Is she, that Lady Lotto? No, that's not Lady Lotto. That's uh, Brie. Oh, Sacramento. Brie. Yeah. Brie. Okay, Nicole is uh, based out in L.A. Okay. Yeah, but she's one of the OGs, too, out in um, L.A. And she, there was a video that I came across. I don't know what I was looking at. I always just used to watch dance videos. Still do. And then there was a song called Powerful that has, I think, Ellie Golding on it. I can't remember. And so I just clicked on it because I was just curious. And I was like, I was like, what is this? I was like, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. She had her um, leather boots and just like regular dance clothes. And I was like, this is amazing. And so I started looking through all of her videos. And I'm like, oh my gosh. At the time I was, I think 20. And so that was huge for me too because... There's these, I think for me, I didn't really start exploring sexuality, sensuality, all that until my 20s because mm -hmm. there's still a lot of like shame around even showing any skin oh, yeah. or wearing fitted clothes. Uh -huh. That was a lot for me. I grew up being a, a tomboy, so I think with heels and seeing Bryn Nicole, she really, and on top of that, she was an Aquarius, so for me, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> she relates. <laughs> But there was just like such badassery in her choreography. There was just a lot of feeling. Um, not so much sexual, but I don't know. And there's nothing wrong with the movements being sexual, but there was just something more in her choreography that I liked. And so she had a Valentine's event um, where essentially she teach you how to do your makeup. You can come in whatever outfit made you feel sexy. And then you do a chair piece. And so for my 21st birthday, oh. I bought myself that. And from there, it was over. Like, I was like, I want to get more into this. And so I started training a lot more, um, looking into more classes. And that's where I found out about Lady Lettos. Yeah. Um, and Lady Level Lady Lettos, I love Brie. Mm -hmm. One, because she is a plus size woman she's also a black woman as well and it was just amazing to see somebody be so comfortable in their body and confident um that doesn't look like a normal dancer right mm -hmm. uh, and especially in heels because everybody's very small always yes. light white um and so just seeing her in that i just i fell in love with her class too and just her i love her Shout well out i her. followed her because of you and i asked her to be on the show so eventually we well we had it scheduled and then we didn't get to so Hopefully I can have her on the podcast too. But um, I took a class, I think by myself. You did her, the first and time? And then the second time you came. Because I was like, all right, it's time to go do the thing. But yeah, <laughs> she's really cool. I just really like um, her whole vibe in general. Like she's she's pretty cool. And I follow her and I've talked with her a little bit. She's got a cool story, I think, too. She does, but, too. Very, I think there's some parts where her and I are very similar, too. Oh, I think, you know, another thing, too, with heels, like... Uh, I guess we'll dive into this coming up <laughs> where like uh, I think it also helped out with just me being comfortable in my own body because um, I grew up having an eating disorder um, overall and uh, I just hated my body for the longest time and yeah. I think now finally at 27 I'm starting to accept it and be like well it is what it is might as well love it <laughs> you 27 know? was the year for me you I too? Uh, for a lot of things yes wow. 27 was my was my year I swear, you're basically, you're probably my twin flame at this point. You're nothing. <laughs> but I don't know what it is about learning to, like, get outside of yourself and embrace that sexuality when you've been repressed so much in your life. It's just, like, yeah. it's really hard, first of all. Mm -hmm. And then it's just really powerful when you do tap into it, even just a little bit. And it's just for yourself. It's not for anyone else. You can post about it, you can take a picture, or you just keep it for yourself. And I just did that class, and I kicked ass, and I looked so sexy. And for me, I suck at those classes, so that's why I keep going. I hate I cannot remember choreography. It's so hard for me. And I didn't grow up doing any of these things, so I'm just like, I keep forcing myself to do these things because it makes me feel good that I'm trying, and then I get a little more out of each class, and I get to see all these awesome women. Like, I came to your class first, I think was my first mm -hmm. feels experience, and I was like, 
Doris looks like me and she's young and she's so confident. And I wish I was like her when I was young. Oh. I was like watching her dance. I was like, this is so much fun and I'm just gonna keep trying. And then I went to Bree's class and I don't know if I've done any other ones yet, but. Um, okay, so we were talking about heels class and how it's um, a safe space for everybody and I keep encouraging my friends to go and I have to keep encouraging myself to go because every time I go I'm hurting afterwards because I'm getting up and down and my knees hurt and I can't do all the movements I'm like I can't twerk but I'm going to try anyways. <laughs> I am not used to like these kinds of movements but it's gotten me more comfortable with myself and my sexuality and whatever. Um, yeah you just feel really I don't know. Something afterwards. Yeah, there's just something afterwards. I think it's also really behind the teachers that um, teach the classes. Oh, yeah. Brynn Nicole just has, I just, I adore her and admire her so much. And um, there's such intentionality behind her classes because she wants you to really look inward and express yourself through dance. And that's what dance is for me, right? So it's perfect. And then really with Brie, she looks at more of like, let's make sure that one you feel comfortable in your own body so let's just first just mm -hmm. touch you know our bodies and our arms and see where it goes with this song and look at yourself in the mirror and believe that you're beautiful that you're confident and you're all these things and also just leave whatever shit you have mm -hmm. when you came in here out the door and let it go before we dive into this choreo and you get to be just like this beautiful sexy goddess you know mm -hmm. she's very encouraging to people even if you're struggling or yeah don't know what to do like I liked that about yeah her. and I think really with both of those two being my primary you know um, teachers and and just learning a lot from both of them um, with Brynn Nicole a lot more through her subscription um, and then with Brie really was during COVID when uh, she had some classes and it really helped me. And I think at the time I also just needed it, uh, especially COVID I think was a really dark time for me mm -hmm. because there, I think for a lot of people, right, there was that moment of stillness and I don't know how to stay still. Me either, girl. <laughs> I don't. Like I, I genuinely don't. And so it really forced me and I fell into like this really deep depression and heels was the only thing that helped me really, I think, work through that. And then also just explore other parts of myself that I wasn't able to mm. and then also just dress again like the first time I ever wore shorts and then like a tank top was huge thing for me mm -hmm. <laughs> and so uh, going from that and then to you know my last heels class where I was wearing lingerie and the the tights and everything mm. that's big it's huge I get it mm -hmm. I, get I know it. you do <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to like bring up um I was nervous to join any dance teams ever because I was one of the biggest people ever on the dance team, the first dance team I was on, mm -hmm. and I definitely, it felt that, that I was, the director was kind of a sexist douchebag, um, so that was an interesting feeling and then finally I quit, but mm -hmm. I learned how to like be more confident and just be myself with dancing, but I was a little bit nervous to be on the Yamaya team too, but when I came, I saw people of the all ages, sizes, whatever, and everyone was very encouraging and accepting, and I love that. So I fell a little bit in love with that. So that Aww. was that was nice, and to be able to take your class, and uh, I was like, yes, somebody looks like me. Yeah, it's so nice. And then I just, I honestly don't really want to take classes from tiny skinny people anymore. But at the same time, I'm like, whatever, I have to. But it's just like <laughs> nice to be represented or to feel comfortable in this space that is typically for small people yeah representation you know? does mm -hmm. matter and you know the one thing i love about yamaya is that i did see that that there was different ages mm -hmm. different shapes and i think for me i've always been the biggest person and even uh -huh. if i'm an advanced team every single time like yeah. i've done like i said i had an eating disorder so i've been like this before and then um i've been the biggest that i've ever been while being on the team as well and it's crazy because I don't remember what dancer said it or it was somebody maybe in the dance community, in the Latin dance community, but um, I think they mentioned, oh, it might have been, I don't remember who, but they were talking about how they were at their biggest, but that was when they had the most success with the most technically like advanced and just mm -hmm. living it up in their dance career. And then the same thing happened to me. I think once I finally let go of like, okay, uh, like, well, 
am I gonna let people tell me how I need to look in order to dance or am I just gonna mm -hmm. go back to that root of why I love dancing mm -hmm. because I can actually express myself yeah. and I did and honestly once I started let, letting go of those things and really just embracing the process even though I was freaking out of breath yeah. and sweating like crazy <laughs> and then at the time too I had like so many different colored hairs <laughs> she was going through you know <laughs> um, I was able to just really push through and then now uh, I reached the biggest I ever was but that was also the first time that I ever performed at a congress mm -hmm. um, I had danced with Andrew which you know who he's a world champ and yeah. I don't know what he saw in me but he's like okay you're gonna leave me and do this and I was like what <laughs> and so that was really that was a lot for me because I was scared to go back on stage mm -hmm. the biggest I ever was as a dancer one because I'm like, well, the COVID-15-20 is so real. <laughs> but really, that was a lot of just depression and a lot of stuff that maybe another time we'll talk about. But um, I think just having people who look at talent and look at heart and look at passion makes such a difference, especially for people mm -hmm. who are much bigger. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't, I don't know, I think sometimes there's things that are not said but the way people treat you as oh, a big yeah. girl oh yeah it's the i don't i don't know how to explain it like you could just feel it and you can see it the way that you're treated or you're not and so i think for me just receiving that from andrew and M was everything to me mm -hmm. because if i wouldn't it's rare that, to find it's rare to really find sad. sadly yeah it's really sad especially in a dance scene yeah I and think. i think somebody who's not scared when they're doing tricks with you like andrew's like i got you and i'm yeah. like he's got me <laughs> <laughs> yeah but really there's a lot of technicality that's around that you could be a bigger person and everything but um there are those things and sometimes i do have my day sometimes i don't but overall again i think because there's that acceptance um i just continue to dance and wear whatever the hell i want to wear while i'm dancing mm -hmm. And at the same time, just like stop caring. And I think that's also just maybe with age or. Yeah, it definitely helps with age. <laughs> or maybe I'm just reaching. I feel like I've reached that point in my life right now where I'm at, where it's just like I really don't care what anybody else thinks mm -hmm. other than my circle. Yeah. And um, unless you want to be a part of that circle or you want your opinion to matter, you got to make the effort. Because mm -hmm. I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest place to be for real. Like I go in and out of that sometimes, but um, yeah. yeah. It takes a lot to put yourself out there in general and yeah. to do all the things. Yeah. And then people make comments and you just gotta like brush it off and you, oh, yeah. you just have to grow your own your own confidence and your own sense of self mm -hmm. and ignore what everybody else says because everyone will always have an opinion. As they say opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them. <laughs> and some of them are stinky. Um yeah. but it's I don't know, it's a it's nice also to see other people just living their best life and being whatever size they are and being confident and so um i'd always like to tell people like you just gotta like you're just not doing just doing it for yourself you're doing it for someone else who's like maybe on the sidelines being yeah. like i could never do that but look at her over there and or whatever so you know true. because i saw people doing that and i was like oh, i want to dance i always wanted to I be a dancer i always forget that I always forget yes. that because, again, I think because I'm also like an overachiever, like I'm very <laughs> achievement oriented. Yes. So I'm only focused on the prize, right, or whatever achievement it is that I do forget mm -hmm. that there's little ones, there's other people that look like you that are watching you and are inspired by you. Even us old ladies can look at you, again, <laughs> sexy girl, awful. and get more confidence and more inspiration to keep going and... Do what I gotta do. It's so interesting. I, I always find that so interesting because I, I have a big respect for people that are older than me. Even if it's a year or two, like I think it's just part of my upgrade, upbringing. Yeah. You respect people that are older than you because they're wiser and everything. And so when I do have folks that are older than me telling me I'm so proud of you or I'm inspired by you and I'm like, <laughs> you've done so much. Like I'm barely <laughs> doing anything. And they're like, but I realize, you know, age really... It doesn't equate to life experience or where people are at, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to their confidence. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something everybody is always working on. And there's certain things, you know, that we're really confident in and we're insecure mm -hmm. about. But 
it just really takes that inner work and for you to be aligned with your values and what you care about mm -hmm. um, to reach that full confidence, I think, overall. And I don't know, like when we're talking on my other episode, it's not like confidence is a destination. Mm -mm. It's a journey and you never fully it's get to some place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're always growing. You're always walking this journey. You're just walking down the path forever. And sometimes you turn around and go back a little bit and take a little nap. I don't know, but you keep going eventually. You know? <laughs> I like dig myself a hole. That's what happened. <laughs> Climb a tree, hide. I don't know. I go through my very lows and my very mm -hmm. highs. And I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that and we just don't talk about it, which mm -hmm. is one reason why I wanted to do a podcast and I wanted to like kind of center it on confidence because I did not grow up confident at all and I think also growing up in church does not exactly foster that environment for children or girls. I was going to say you want to hear a story so. about how I dressed? Okay so there was one time where I was in full skirt okay from like covering my ankles you know because you can't show your ankles and I had a tank top but I had a, a cardigan over the thing was the tank the the cardigan was a little bit see-through i had this older lady come up to me and said what are you wearing that's super inappropriate how dare you and i felt like the Whore i church. felt like such a jezebel <laughs> when she said that and i was only i think 11 10 10 11 years old oh yeah I've and i already was uncomfortable with yeah. my body so yeah. on top of me being uncomfortable with my body and then being told like you look like a schlut, like, you know. <laughs> I was pretty much called a slut a few times, and yeah. especially if you develop early in life. My mom always used to tell me, well, what'd she say? Those of us who are blessed with much, must we have a greater responsibility with my mom. <laughs> my mom was not blessed with anything, and I was blessed with <laughs> all of the things. So I was always told to cover up, and I always had to hide things, and I always, like, we were wearing freaking windbreakers at youth group all the time because I didn't like my body and I was I was small for myself and I was sweaty and I was like I just like so many weird things you think about oh yeah and I just having to cover up I remember one of my churches my friend told me my her dad told her that my pants were too tight and I'm like well first of all that's kind of gross and second of all uh, but yeah it's weird and it, when that is your environment and that's what you're told how the fuck are you supposed to ever love yourself or even see anything past that like yeah. I remember <laughs> there's yeah I remember where there was summers I would be in a hoodie hoodie and yeah. gym shorts and yeah. my tennis shoes and my freaking George Washington ponytail <laughs> <laughs> well, the most tomboying and I thought that like you know oh if I dress like a boy if I dress in those clothes like these things are not gonna happen to me or like I'm not boys won't find me attractive. no Sometimes I like you even more when you're like that. <laughs> well, you're hiding yourself and you think that that's going to protect you, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's not about the clothing, right? And that really, again, kind of just mm -hmm. feeds into rape culture and all of that. But uh, yeah, you were saying like confidence looks different. And I think it confidence has looked different for me in all of my yes my whole life in 10 years it might be something totally like the, different the first time i ever wore a crop top it was like one of those that did cover my belly but i still wore i think sweats over <laughs> but i was like so scared but when i did it i was confident in it and that was a big step when i wore shorts and a fitted tank top oh my god showing your legs mm -hmm. especially because i have dancer you know yeah. i have like thunder thighs so <laughs> Everybody always tell me I had nice legs, so I was me super self-conscious about that. And then now I'm like, I don't care. Well, you got to deal with you got to deal with it. Don't look. You don't like it. Don't worry. If you like it, go if ahead. you like it, <laughs> it's just a weird feeling when you do that one thing that you're like, this is like so much a crop job. I remember the day I bought a bikini for the first time. I was either this size or a little bit bigger, and we were in Hawaii, and I was like, I'm gonna buy a bikini. The store actually has bikinis that fit people like me, and I was like, yeah. I bought it, and I was on the beach in Hawaii. I'm like, this is the weirdest feeling. Just thinking about it kind of makes me feel like wanting to cry, actually, but uh, <laughs> it's just, like such a weird thing, and because I was never, I had to wear tankinis, and I had to wear shorts, and I had to wear a shirt over the short, or whatever, you know? T-shirt and, and gym shorts was my thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's just something freeing and empowering about doing all those little things. Mm -hmm that you were never supposed to do or not allowed to do or whatever but mm -hmm. um, and dancing for me was a, a changed my life mm -hmm. when I learned how to do it and so I gave a speech once at Toastmasters about how dancing changed my life oh. <laughs> and uh, I was like oh I never really thought about it that way but it definitely did it really so, does mm -hmm. it does change your life I would say for me it's helped me center myself sometimes I'm like 
I could be having the worst day ever, but I know as soon as I step in through the studio doors or a class by an instructor that I really like or classes that I take, I'm going to walk out of there feeling a lot better. And sometimes it's just that you showed up. Yeah. Sometimes it's that you're pushing yourself. Sometimes it's that you're learning something new. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but there's, it's different every time sometimes, but you just got to like do it. Yeah. And I remember the first time I ever did any of those kinds of things by myself. That was also a very empowering thing for myself, too. I was going to say, dancing also helped me be more feminine. Because I did grow out of the, the what is it, the basketball shorts and the freaking big t-shirt and the hoodie, you know? <laughs> yeah. But dancing really pushed it, I think, to that next level. I already knew how to do my makeup because I always loved artsy stuff and everything growing up. And my mom, my dad, my uncle, they all knew when I was in my room, nobody go in there because she gets so shy because she's practicing doing okay. makeup, right? So I already knew how to do makeup. I knew how to, how to do hair, but I was, again, because you can't look pretty because you're going to get attention mm -hmm. and this, this whole thing, right? This whole clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but then at the same time, you're being told that you're ugly because you're too big. So then I'm like, what the fuck? I'm just going to be ugly. <laughs> Cover your titties because but cover your titties and don't show your ankles. <laughs> but also this way, you know what's so no funny? We're covered from pretty much head. I'm covered. I'm gonna kick you <laughs> Maybe we should have done this topless. I don't know. <laughs> no, but um, it really helped me with like because you know mm. we were leotard yeah. sometimes there's a lot of skin a couple showing. of those outfits from the first dancer i was like what the fuck am i wearing <laughs> my whole poop was out i'm like doris everything's out she's like it's fine you'll be fine I'm like, but everything is out i'm scared like my lips is gonna come out <laughs> oh my god well if mine comes out yours is coming out too yeah so our titties gonna pop out oh you god. just kind of you learn you know through it and like Again, it's in the movement. The costumes are mm -hmm. made to make sure that you're covered and that you look nice mm -hmm. when you move. Yeah. Um, and now it's hilarious. I find it every season when we get ready for showcase that our director, M, our CEO, wonderful woman, um, she's the one that has me check everybody's makeup <laughs> and their hair to make mm -hmm. sure that it's fine. Mm -hmm. So going from that to that, I would say it's huge, you know? Yeah. And now that I'm comfortable wearing makeup too, because before I'd be like, I don't care. You know, but I think there's also something powerful about being able to just get ready a little bit. So even if that is a little bit of concealer, mascara, brushing your hair, because I was the type straight out the shower. I had long hair, okay, like Rapunzel hair. Oh. Would just put it up, put on my church clothes, and go. Ooh, my mom would be so pissed because I wouldn't <laughs> even brush it. I'm like, what's the point of brushing it if you know it's gonna go up? Yeah, I'm pissed. <laughs> Yeah. I was like the opposite because I always had to like I looked like a little Mary Kay lady at like 14 <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking no, I, like a pictures. I have pictures are you going to put one a picture up so they can see I don't even have them but I I'm putting one of my tomboy ones oh, we, should, we should put it in our in the show notes or something like that yeah we'll put it but yeah. yeah I was like the opposite I wouldn't leave the house in my 20s without eyeliner and makeup even though it was like the worst uh, eyeliner and makeup ever yeah. and now I'm like I've gone on dates without any makeup on before, and it's such a freeing experience. I'm like, I could be sexy, sexy and sexual without any makeup, and whatever. And it's yeah. a nice. It's also a very empowering feeling to just be like, this is just me, and I'm just raw, and this is who I am, and I can be sexy mm -hmm. with all the stuff, and I can be sexy without all the stuff. Yeah. So for me, it's almost like the opposite in a sense, but. Well, and sexy was a bad word, anyways. It was a bad word. I still feel like icky saying it. I remember when so I, I think instead of saying sexy, I was like, oh, I look, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so like, I, I can't even say it. I can't say it. Like, so I've had people tell me you look very sexy today and I'm just like, yeah. But that's, you know, I think that's a lot of the, like, you can't talk, like, sexy equals sex, right? Yes. I told my mom I knew what sex was because I got in trouble for saying sexy one time when I didn't know what it meant. I think I said my Barbie looks sexy. My mom's <laughs> like, that is inappropriate. Do not say that word. And then I found out what sex was and I was like, ma, I whispered. Do you know that word sexy? She's like, yeah. I was like, I know what it means. And then she was like, oh no. And then she gave me the sex talk later. But I just think it's funny when I think of it. Oh my God. Yeah, and no, I think that's something. A lot of people have been telling me that now. So I'm like, you mean know. Because it's kind of, it comes from the inside too. It's not just about like what you're wearing. It's the sexy is 
Especially when I started taking heels class, I think a lot of that started getting those right because it helps like bring Mm -hmm. out a lot. So I think again, I'm. I always say if I can find somebody or people that make me feel the way dance feels, I want to keep them around in my circle. Mm. Yes, I love that. Mm -hmm. I kind of ebb and flow with my dance thing sometimes. Sometimes I take a break and I have to take. I'm kind of taking a break right now, unfortunately, because my shoulder. And, uh, but I've been doing this for like 12 years or 15, I don't know how long I'm now, but it always, always go back. And then I want to kind of, exp- I'm at the place where I want to like explore some different kinds of stuff for myself. So we'll Do see it. how that plays out. But, um, on your, on your Instagram. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it was, how do you know when is the right time to move on from something? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so the question was, how do you know it's time to move on from something? And I was like, oh, you know, that one kind of just like hit me in the gut because, uh, oh my God, I don't, I'm like, I don't want to get emotional. I could be like coming, but you know, this past year I went through a breakup and uh, it, it was, I think, one of the hardest things for me to walk away from. Um, and then the previous year before that, I had to walk away from a job that I just completely loved. And so I think in both situations, I learned that like when you're not in alignment with your core values and who you are, or you find yourself moving away from that or compromising those mm-hmm. things, or maybe you're saying that you're open to it, but really it is you kind of changing yourself to fit in whatever mold of person organization whatever it is then it's you got to take time to reevaluate and see if this is for you or not and uh i think that's kind of when you know when things are not aligned with what you want and what you need to because what you want and what you need are two very different things is when i think that's time to walk away um, I know for people it's very different because mm-hmm. people have different tolerances for yeah. things but I think because I've always been a people pleaser and I've, you know again a lot of work that uh-huh. I've done and continue doing to not be, be a people pleaser it takes sometimes longer oh, because sure. you don't want to disappoint that person mm-hmm. or that organization or that boss or the, the people that you have around you um, or I think that's that other part of like, who else is going to be able to do what I've done, you know, or, um, like the, or there's that other part too of like, I think I invested so much and then I'm walking away with pretty much not a lot. Um, or just like, I don't know, I'm a person when I dive in, I dive in all the mm-hmm. way, like. But that's also, I think, the part where I had to, like, check myself of, like, okay, you can't fully immerse everything to the point where you can't even recognize yourself. You lose yourself in something. That, and then also just the way that I'm treating people, right? I'm I'm not treating my, the, the people that really care about me in a way that is n- nurturing the relationship that we have. And so if I'm turning toxic, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also being in something toxic, then... You know, it's not a, it's a lose-lose situation. And so I think, again, when you start seeing yourself kind of go off the rails or, uh, I think another thing is like hiding information from your friends. That's, (laughs) that's you know, you're in a toxic relationship where your best friend doesn't know some of the dirty details of the things. Yeah. And that's, that's not, and you know, that's not for like, that's not even talking about my previous relations. That's just just in general. General. Yeah. And I think that's. You know, those are moments where I knew I just mm-hmm. had to walk away. And I think when I walked away from both of those situations, um, I don't know, I think a part of me was like, okay, super heartbroken. Um, I think there's still things that I'm processing through, too. Um, and yeah, I think there's still, you never lose love for wherever you put love in. Whether that that's a place, that's a person, that's you know, your, your pet, I don't know, Mm -hmm. that, that love's always going to be there, and I think I've learned that love doesn't have to be, um, all or nothing, it could be, love is an energy, it's something that's always going to be active, and whatever was, and happened, happened, and 
that doesn't mean that those things go away. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the good times didn't matter. Yeah. I've, I've had those things too. Like you can, I think when you're constantly stressed and anxious and tired, those are all signs that maybe the situation that you're in is not healthy anymore. Yeah. And sometimes we just forget because we're so focused on doing what we got to do. Yeah. We're getting through the day or being there for someone else. Mm-hmm. And we forget that we are not being there for ourselves and we're not honoring ourselves. Yeah. In our relationships or situations or workplaces or whatever. Like I've had both of those things in the last few years too. And they're really big deals to walk away from. And it's really hard. It's hard. But I'll tell you, the so second hard. I did it, I felt like I just... And I, I was a mess, again. girl. I was a mess both times. I mean, I, it's really hard to do the thing. But for me, I felt as soon as I left it and I did the thing, I felt like this relief and I was ready. I was like, I can breathe again. I feel like mm. fine. But it's still hard to come, go through that. But and some people maybe don't feel that. I don't know. That's how I felt in certain situations at least. But Yeah, I think for me, it's like I've known for... it's. I've, I've found myself in the pattern of like I've known for a while mm-hmm. but I stick it out because yes. I still have hope yes oh I've done that too <laughs> and then when you're done you're like finally I'm done yeah because again I'm like a lot of my friends would say you're a ride or die like you are the definition of ride or die so until I've exhausted all of my options and strategies or whatever then that's when I walk away you know and then even if I'm crying and I'm super sad and all that, I'll still walk away. Because you can be sad. That's normal. You're supposed to be sad when mm-hmm. those when things end. That's a normal part of being a human. And then I've also learned that not, not all endings are bad. Mm-hmm. And I think, in well, one of them was the work situation was kind of... But with my relationship, I think I learned uh, that... It was so funny because in that previous job, my coworker was the one that said, not all endings have to be bad. Like, you can have healthy endings. And I think with him and I it was one of those things where it was like that um and everybody was kind of shocked <laughs> yeah like why are you two being toxic towards each other but really both of us are just like we don't there's already so much of that crap in the world we don't need to do that and that's a healthy thing though that's yeah so nice. and I think for me it was a first step because I'm I was so used to burning bridges or cutting people off yeah, but I was faced I with somebody who I've loved for so long and still love now um where it's like okay this is ending but this is going to look different afterwards and so i think having to sit with that and then knowing that um this isn't an end-all be-all type of thing but it's just like it just didn't work out was the first time for me i'm like okay yeah you can't have endings like that and that's okay yeah so that's kind of i guess to answer your question it's like when your values and stuff aren't in alignment I think we just forget to pay attention to ourselves and our values sometimes. Yeah. So it makes sense. I always go back to that. I think that's one of the things, and I have people around me that center me, especially times when I feel like I'm kind of going off the rails or I have my really ups or mm-hmm. my downs. They're always like, just remember to breathe, like you're doing great and mm-hmm. all that. Because again, for me, I'm very hard on myself and I have really big goals. And so sometimes when things don't go my way, <laughs> it goes life's way mm-hmm. I just freak out yeah freak out so it's important to have people like that around you too yes and to support you when yes. you need to walk away from things because it's harder when you're alone but if you're alone if you're listening and you don't have anybody just know that you can do it and um, just really make sure that you center yourself around mm-hmm. what's really important to you and what you need mm-hmm and then from there, honestly, you'll be able to draw in those people that are in alignment with you. Because I also went through a thing where I basically, all of my college friends that I have, stopped. That was, that, woof, that one. Yeah. <laughs> that uh-huh. one was a big heartbreak. I would say one of the bigger heartbreaks that I've had too. And so I had to relearn mm-hmm. to just be open to people wanting to be my friend. Breaking friendship breakups are sometimes the hardest thing. So it was friendship breakups, um, work breakup. work breakup, and then relations, romantic relationship yeah. breakup. Unfortunately, all of those things are a part of life. They're really hard. What everybody's but. told me that's older than me. Oh, it's your twenties, and I'm like, I hate this so much. Twenties <laughs> suck ass. I'm just gonna say, your thirties are where it's at. Honestly, I'm so happy in my thirties. I mean, I'm almost out of my thirties, unfortunately, but. 
I learned a lot in my 20s and I learned a lot more in my 30s. Mm-hmm. And so I was like scared to be 30, but um, it was awesome. So don't be afraid of that. You've got it. You're, get, you're kicking ass. I just want to be in my 30s so I can just not you're deal with there. the 28 drama. You're almost there. I just, I can't. Well, I realize, you know, I don't know. People in their 20s are really just going through it. <laughs> I don't want to laugh. That sounds mean, but it's true. I guess I like the twenty-five to twenty-seven situation. I'm like, geez, it's rough. Mm-hmm. I feel like barely now I've come out of it. <laughs> it's a new year almost. We're almost out of it. <laughs> Soon you'll be in twenty-eight. I forget. When is your birthday again? February. Okay, February. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for coming on this podcast. I appreciate it. Um, we could probably talk for hours and hours, and maybe we'll have you on to talk about more stuff another time thank you for sharing today and being open and vulnerable with whoever watches or hears this <laughs> thank you for inviting me and hopefully i feel like i was rambling a little bit but it's okay that's what podcasts do have you watched them people just ramble for hours it's i fun. know i just you but know. we kept we kept it under control we've talked about a couple things we did i think we did a great job yeah i just you know i don't know talking about emotions i think right now it's just a little it's hard I'm just didn't. trying not to feel, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we have to feel our feelings. I'm sorry. This full moon you, doesn't but... let me like not feel my feelings. Yeah. So. Wow. Oh yeah, then happy Halloween. Tomorrow. If you celebrate Halloween, which I actually don't know if you did, you celebrate Halloween? Right? Not really. I didn't celebrate. Well, I don't even. See, I'm scared to even say it, but. I partake, <laughs> participate. <laughs> I do a little bit. I like we just said fall festivals, and mm. we were, I was never allowed to trick or treat. I just went to like one or two houses next door to me, but that was it. No, we didn't. That's the devil's birthday. Yeah, we really didn't. We did fall things, but uh, that's it. And so I've done it a little bit here and there as an adult, but this year I'm like meh. <laughs> mm. Maybe yeah, I'll put on some ears tomorrow. Man. I don't know. I was a cat though. <laughs> meow meow. <laughs> <laughs> that's my sign off. Meow meow. <laughs> Okay, I guess we'll just end it there then. Uh, yeah, yeah, everyone. <laughs>